Hello everyone and welcome to Questions You're Not Asking. My name is Tom French. And I am Chris Morphew. We are writing a book together and we are answering a bunch of questions that nobody is asking, uh, particularly the weirdest questions that we could find about God, Jesus, the Bible. And today we are talking about Jesus and DNA. So this question is a question I stole off a Facebook group uh, for youth ministers. Uh, Georgia, who is the youth minister at Oak Tree Youth, put it up and said one of her youth had asked it. And I was like, this is a good one. We should steal it for a, for a book, for our book. And the question is, if Jesus took a DNA test to see who his parents were, what would the results come back as? So that's what we're going to talk about today. This is, um, I think, our most asked question because it's been asked by one person. <laughs> all the other un- all the other ones were asked by no one and we just decided to answer them anyway so whoever this is for you're welcome our, our tagline for this one should be biblical answers to questions that one person asked yeah i can't be bothered updating the thumbnail though we can just we can just leave it um <laughs> so can i bring to the table one ronald eldon wyatt oh Yes. Because I, when we were chatting just now, we found out that um, both of us had discovered this man in our research. Um, but I have, it seems like, done a deeper dive. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a little jealous of your deep Ronald dive. Well, can I, can I bring you up to speed on this um, very colorful character that we've, we've discovered? Because he has a conclusive answer to our question. Um, I'll lay it out for you and for the listeners, and um, you can decide whether you uh, want to go along with it or not. So a little bit of background. Ron Wyatt, as he was most often known, um, he was born in 1933 and he passed away in 1999 and he was an adventurer um, uh, associated with almost 100 alleged Bible-related discoveries. Now, his Wikipedia page does say that he has been criticized by scientists, historians, biblical scholars, as well as some creationists. So he seems to have been pretty roundly discredited, but... What he will tell you is that he has discovered such things as the side of Noah's Ark, anchor stones used by Noah on the Ark, um, the house where Noah lived after the flood, the location of Sodom and Gomorrah and other cities, uh, the Tower of Babel. Um, he claimed to have discovered how the Egyptians built the pyramids, the side of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, the side of Mount Sinai, uh, and most importantly, um, some of Jesus's own blood, which we can use to figure out who his parents were. <laughs> um, I, I should also point out, um, I, I just want to quote uh, one archaeologist who says, uh, Ron Wyatt is neither an archaeologist nor has he ever carried out a legally licensed excavation in Israel or Jerusalem. In order to excavate, one must have at least a BA in archaeology, which he does not possess, despite his claims to the contrary. His claims fall into the category of trash, which one finds in tabloids, such as the National Enquirer, the Sun, etc. So that's Ron Wyatt. Can, can, Thoughts so far? Well, I, I think I would like to bring you up on something. Uh, they said mm-hmm. that he's not qualified, uh, but according to Wikipedia, he was a nurse anaesthetist. 
So he's got qualifications, I would like to say. And okay. uh, also, <laughs> just point of interest, if you have listened to the Dirty John podcast or watched the Dirty John TV show, the Dirty John character was also a nurse anesthetist. Another influential person uh, who was highly credible. And so I think that just should be worth paying attention to as we talk about Ronnie. Okay. And look, Wyatt's um, official organization claims that that Wyatt was always issued verbal permits for his work. <laughs> it's unclear exactly where these verbal permits came from. But anyway, I went to his website um, and his website, wyattarchaeology.com, uh, does not exist anymore. Um, it's a broken link. But then that in turn led me to www.covenantkeepers.co.uk, which also no longer exists and is a broken link, but that seems to be an associated organization. And then I went to archive.org and found an archived version of an article from covenantkeepers.co.uk and there the evidence about Jesus' supposed DNA heritage is outlined for us. So are you ready, Tom? Oh, I, I am very, very ready. The article is extensive and goes down a number of rabbit trails, so I've tried to, I only want to quote you the relevant bits, but here we go. In August of 1978, Ron Wyatt was walking along Gordon's Calvary Escarpment in the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem, talking with a local authority about Roman antiquities. Without warning, Ron's left hand pointed to a site there and his mouth said, that's Jeremiah's Grotto and the Ark of the Covenant is in there. <laughs> Even though these words had come from his own mouth and his own hand had pointed, he had not consciously said or done these things. Explain that. <laughs> so I shouldn't laugh. It could be real. I love the turn of phrase, his mouth said, <laughs> that's Jeremiah's grotto. <laughs> I'm going to use that in conversation. It's, that's how I, how I deny responsibility whenever I say something offensive. It wasn't me. My mouth said it. My mouth. That's my mouth always saying things. Anyway, so Wyatt investigated the site that his hand had pointed to and determined that it was the site of Jesus' crucifixion. Now, it should be noted that mainstream historians tend to disagree that this is the actual site of Jesus' crucifixion. There are other more credible locations, but... Let me share with you the evidence that convinced Ron Wyatt. Do these other credible locations have the credibility of Ron Wyatt pointing to them and saying a thing with his mouth, though? I don't know whose hands first pointed to these sites and whose mouths first declared that they were the place. Um, all I know is that there is peer-reviewed research backing up their claims. Um, uh, peer-reviewed, schmear-reviewed. If you've got well, the hand of Ron Wyatt, what do you need peers for? I Look, I feel like this is our chance to do some peer review of this article because we are um, amateurs as well. <laughs> and so we're his peers. I don't know. And if we're, I, here we go. I don't know if I can. I, I know nothing about anesthesiology, so I'm not sure if I, I can review this. Evidence. Well, I know, I feel like I know about as much about archaeology as I've discovered so far that he knows, but we'll, 
We'll see. Anyway, let me quote from the article again. Ron Wyatt uncovered four cross holes cut out of the rock, one higher up than the rest on a platform and set back. The other three were in a line lower down and in front. The upper cross hole would have held the featured criminal. And we know from the biblical account that the two cross holes either side held the two thieves when Christ was crucified. In this case, only three of the four cross holes were used. I like the expression featured criminal. <laughs> if you were being crucified, would it comfort you to know that you were the, you got to be the featured criminal? I would I would definitely get my agent to argue that I should get top billing. Okay. So, Ron, uh, quoting from the article again, Ron's attention was drawn to the cross hole that was higher than the others. A square cut stone had been placed in the cross hole acting as a plug. And when Ron Wyatt removed it, he noticed a large crack in the bedrock extending from the cross hole. It looked to Ron Wyatt like an earthquake crack. And the Bible does say in Matthew, this is still a direct quote from the article. And the Bible does say in Matthew 27, 51, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. The Bible does say that. Yes, that's true. And so we've got a hole with a crack under it. It's it's confirmed. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, none of this is confirmed. Oh, um, but if the Bible says there's that there, the the earth was split open, and he found a cross hole and a crack, I think it's I think we're there. I think it's it's done. Well, Wyatt did some digging and discovered a chamber underneath the cross hole, and I will now again. Um, quote at length from the article because this is we're finally honing in on the bit that's relevant. Ron Wyatt shone his flashlight and saw a chest of beaten gold. He knew he was looking at the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Overwhelmed with emotion and suffering from pneumonia, Ron Wyatt passed out for 45 minutes in that chamber. <laughs> it is unclear from the article whether it was mostly the emotion or mostly the pneumonia that caused him to pass out. But Ron Wyatt tried to photograph the arc with a Polaroid, but the photos turned out foggy. He returned a colonoscope, which when I Googled it, I think is just what they used to do colonoscopies. Yeah. Um, so, but I get, maybe there's like an, ar- an archaeological one for going through like rock tunnels. I don't know. There's, there's but he returned. He got the colonoscope and he put it in the cross hole. That's what we're seeing. Now, you promised me that we were not going to do a blue podcast today. I, um, I am just clarifying what you said. No, he didn't put it in the cross hole. He put it into the, his, in, to the cave that he had excavated underneath. He, anyway, but again, the pictures turned out foggy. Oh, so, apparently, you can't take photos of the Ark of the Covenant. That's, that makes sense. It's like Bigfoot. Yeah. Anyway... Here is, sorry, I know this has been a long wind-up, but I think you'll agree this is worth it. Ron Wyatt noticed a dried black substance in an earthquake crack in the roof above the Ark of the Covenant. Obviously, this substance had dripped down from the crack in the roof. Ron Wyatt traced the earthquake crack, and indeed, it was the same crack as the one at the cross hole. The dried black substance in the crack was tested and proved to be blood, apparently the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that a Roman soldier speared Christ in his side in order to make sure he was dead and blood and water poured out. 
Ron Wyatt discovered that this same blood and water poured down through the earthquake crack and fell upon the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. That's that's majestic. But Chris, yeah, how do we know that it actually is Jesus' blood? Has there been any tests done on the blood? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now, there's more to the story, including a bit where Wyatt claims he was visited by angels who told him it wasn't time yet for the world to see the Ark of the Covenant again, which presumably is why he didn't take it out and show anybody. Um, Although apparently it's okay to photograph it, talk about it, explain its exact location. It, It all gets a bit foggy. But the relevant thing to our question today, finally, is that according to Wyatt, and here I have one more quote from the article, the blood on the mercy seat was tested. Human cells normally have 46 chromosomes. These are actually 23 pairs of homologous chromosomes. In each pair of chromosomes, one of the pair is from the mother and the other member is from the father. Therefore, 23 chromosomes come from the mother and 23 from the father. In each set of 23, 22 chromosomes are autosomal and one is sex determining. The sex determining ones are the X chromosome and the Y chromosome. Females are XX, so they can only contribute an X chromosome to their offspring, whereas males are XY, which allows them to contribute either an X or a Y. If they contribute an X, the child is female, whereas if they contribute a Y, the child is male. The fascinating finding in this blood was that instead of 46 chromosomes, there were only 24. There were 22 autosomal chromosomes, one X chromosome, and one Y chromosome. This evidences that the person to whom this blood belonged to had a mother but no human father because the normal contribution of a paternal chromosomes is missing. Perfect. We've solved it. We've solved it. So you're saying, you're saying to me, that Ron Wyatt's Jesus blood has got half plus one, the number of normal chromosomes, because he has all the mother's chromosomes, none of the father's chromosomes, except for the Y chromosome to make him male. That is the contention of Ron Wyatt. Now, I should just point out a few things. Firstly, I found no evidence of these tests. And they have not been published, like the actual like evidence has not been published anywhere except, I think, this article. Oh, uh, YouTube. Um, published on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Um, but as in, is there video footage of stuff as seen through a microscope or anything like that? Well, there is a computer animation of blood cells with Ron Wyatt's voice over the top. So, okay. conclusive, I think. Also... Um, none of his so-called finds have been backed up by anyone else in mainstream archaeology. He's been, as we said, widely discredited. But... Widely discredited. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, I feel like we've cracked it. I think we can just say Mary's DNA plus a little bit of manness, maleness, the end. (laughs) Done. Done. Can I ask That's you? That's it. Thanks for listening. Oh, yep. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, my my feeling from your tone of voice is that you don't quite believe in Ron Wyatt's discoveries. Look, I'm fascinated by the fact that. I, well, I'm fascinated by many things. Sorry. Continue. Go ahead. Um, what what I found interesting in my my Ron Wyatt uh, checking out on online when reading about him is that there are some people who 
like swear by Ron Wyatt. And I've I've had people in churches be like, Tom, I need to show you about this guy who discovered the ark. Oh, discovered like Noah's ark and here it is and and here are all the extra like like it's a big deal. And for some people it's it's really important to them that this proves the uh, hi- historicity is that the right word of their faith that, mm-hmm. that that Christianity happened and because you can find these these amazing things that happened confirmed for us archaeologically and it's it's a real boost to their faith does doesn't matter if it's true or not this stuff like if it if it helps people in their faith is it a problem I think it is. I think it definitely is because, you know, as believers, our faith is meant to be pointed in the direction of the evidence, you know, like the, the encouragement is to believe what's true, not to believe things that would be nice if they were maybe true. And I think that like archaeology, like legitimate real archaeology is a really rich place you can go to find evidence that supports what the New Testament says about Jesus, but I don't think phony baloney blood tests are helpful. And I also don't think they're necessary. Like there's plenty of of great archaeological stuff out there. Like I went over to Israel a few years ago and I was like blown away by how much we can actually piece together about the time period where Jesus lived and the places that he went and all of that. And so I think the desire to find evidence for what we believe is really great. I think settling for nonsense is not very productive. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I think I think on an on an individual level, if if there's someone who really loves Ron Wyatt and what he discovered and it helps them in their faith, it's probably fine. I think I think except except if he gets disproved and then their faith falls apart because of it. But I think if if you're at the point where you're believing in Ron Wyatt, there's not a lot that's going to disprove what he said is true. And so if you are happy to believe that he found all these things, then it's probably fine. But if you go around and then try and convince everyone else that this is true, then then in terms of the yeah, the way that we talk about our faith as a real faith that happened in history. And we say, look, this guy discovered the ark at at the same time as we say, uh, this person, you know, discovered the seal of Baruch, who uh, was one of the scribes for Jeremiah, I think, which I remember hearing about that. And I was really excited. I was like, we found the the seal of Mm. Baruch, Baruch. And I was like, that's great. Which and for me that that felt a lot more exciting than the idea that Ron Wyatt may have found the Ark of the Covenant uh, because this was something that was like archaeologically sound. And but if if you are someone from the outside and you're putting the two things in the same basket, you're like, well, why would I believe any of it? Um, mm. And so I think it I think it matters in the big scheme of things, but for for the individuals who who really love Ron Ron Wyatt. It's, it's probably not a huge deal. Like, and it could be true. Like, as in, I don't think God couldn't have 
directed his hand to point in a direction and his mouth to say a thing that he didn't mean to say. And I don't think it's impossible that he could have found, you know, a bunch of the stuff that he says he's found. I just, from the evidence that I have been able to assemble, there is nothing that makes me go, this seems legit. <laughs> Can a person survive with all those missing chromosomes? Yeah, I don't know. I, d- <laughs> I don't know if, <laughs> if they've ever... There's ever been a person. I assume there has never been a person with only 24 chromosomes. So it's hard to know if they'd survive, but I assume they couldn't. Well, because I know that, you know, a difference of one chromosome um, is the way that people are born with Down syndrome, for instance. Yes. And that's one chromosome. And that is quite a neurological difference. Like that's quite a point of difference in the way a person's neurophysiology is set up and so i can only imagine that a difference of like a couple of dozen chromosomes don't know once again here we are talking about scientific subjects we know very little about i would definitely Um, like to ask a biologist about this but but what i what i think i have figured out in terms of biology is that we like we have 20 what 23 pairs of chromosomes mm-hmm. and they determine our characteristics because half of like because they, they're pairs you have 23 that come from your mum 23 that come from your dad um 22 of them match up like 22 of them are not uh sex oriented and 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 one one pair is sex oriented mm. um and so so it could i guess uh like I guess what they what Ron Wyatt is saying is that all of Jesus' physical characteristics came from Mary. Because entirely came from Mary and so you didn't you didn't need the man's ones to come in and determine who Jesus was and what like what his hair colour was or you know, what his genetic uh traits were. None of those things came from the father. It all came from Mary's side of the family. But she still had uh some of her like the traits coming from her mum and her dad, and they, they would still have been in there. But but I don't know. This is this is what I know because I I watched a video with Hank and John Green teaching me about biology, and it went for twelve minutes. Also, I did biology Great. in year twelve, but um, I have no memory of that. I don't know if I've solved anything. I just said what I remember from the video. Well, yeah, okay. So I think what we probably have decided, at least between the two of us, is that we, uh, having completed our peer review of Ron Wyatt's findings, we are going to say um, probably not credible. Yes. Um, would you agree? Yeah. Happy <laughs> happy to say that I, I don't think Ron Wyatt has solved it, but I think it is an interesting idea that all of Jesus's physical characteristics could have come from Mary's family well so that's the like that's the question right so with the the birth of a normal kid that kid is going to have 50 percent of its dna 50 percent of its chromosomes from its father and 50 percent from the mother and so we are genetically half and half yes but with jesus the um well i guess like first of all we should probably take a step back and be like, well, how come he wasn't just half Mary, half Joseph? Wasn't Joseph his dad, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you've got, you do, you got a few options. One is that Jesus' DNA was half Mary and half, half Joseph's 
and the divine conception of Jesus was not a thing. And it was a thing that was made up later or a thing that was um, like a, it was a reinterpretation of prophecy from uh, from Isaiah. But, but the thing that happened afterwards, because of because Jesus did all these great things, and then they're like, wow, he is so great, he must have been uh, conceived divinely. So that there's that is one option. But I think we, you and I, would be happy to say that that's not what we believe, because we believe that what the Bible teaches is true. I would be very happy to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, which then raises the question, okay, so presumably at minimum half of Jesus' DNA was Mary DNA, right? Yeah. Even that, I guess, is like a guess. But if Mary is actually the mother of Jesus and not just like the surrogate mother of Jesus. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Like if, if she is like biologically the mother of Jesus. Yeah. Then let's say... 50% is her. I reckon there's a, like, here are the options that I've thought of, right? Mm-hmm. 100% Mary. And I mean, I guess the same kind of basic idea as what Ron Wyatt said, but without the, um, the look at my blood test that I've found on the Ark of the Covenant, like without that bit. But like, what if it was all from Mary? He's like a, like a male version of Mary. Yeah, we'll see that. That <laughs> doesn't seem right to me. Then you go, okay, well, what if it was 50% Mary, 50% Joseph? Not because Joseph was part of Jesus' conception, but because when the Spirit of God conceived Jesus in Mary, he gave her Joseph DNA for the man parts of his genetic makeup. Yeah. Or could it just be 50% Rando? <laughs> like 50% like... Total ex nihilo, just brand new. <laughs> I like I like fifty percent rando. Like God was like, I'm just gonna gonna pick twenty three of my favorite chromosomes out of a hat and then throw, chuck them in there. See what happens. I mean, the Bible has no physical descriptions of Jesus apart from that one prophecy that says there's nothing particularly attractive about the way that he looked. Yeah, uh, we we know he had hands and feet and a side. True. Yep. So he wore a prayer shawl. A mouth. And he had a mouth a mouth that spoke words. Yeah. <laughs> Eyes. Yeah. I mean, we we I think we can we can conclusively say right here on the podcast he had a a whole body. <laughs> yes. A whole human male body, mostly Jewish. With a little bit of... Where was Ruth from? Uh, uh, Mo- Moab. She was a Moabitess. So there would have been like a little bit of Moabite and maybe a little bit of... Oh, and like way back a little bit of Rahab. Well, see, here's, here's the thing is that um, in... Oh, is in, that yeah, the dad's yeah, side? Yeah, the family tree that we have of Jesus, it goes through... It's Joseph's line and not Mary's line. Uh, yeah, you're right. What about the Luke one? Uh, the Luke, uh, the Luke also follows Joseph's line. I'm pretty sure. I can just look them up because they're different, and there's all kinds of like. Well, there there are some schools of thought about why. So Luke starts off in uh, Luke chapter three, verse uh, twenty three. He says, 
Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, and then it goes all the way on to God. Yeah, and then in Matthew, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Okay, so none of that, we get as far back as, what, Judah? Well, in Luke, we get as far back as God. Oh, no, I mean in terms of, like, which tribe was Mary from? Oh, right. I don't know if we know. Yeah, I assume it's Judah or Benjamin. Anyway, um, that is quite possibly a dead end. um, There's something Um, that that, um, (laughs) I was talking to Em, who is my wife, uh, talking to her this this morning, I think, or last night about this discussion. And she was like, are you going to talk about my idea that that Mary uh, was also a descendant of David. And I was like, oh, well, maybe we will. I think I don't think she was the first person who thought of that. I think I said to her, I thought I might have told you that. So there might be some dispute in our house about who had that idea. But it could be that, that Mary is also from the line of David. Uh, like, it's certainly not, not unknown for cousins to marry cousins in ancient times. Mm. So Mary and Joseph could have been cousins. And so Mary would have very similar bloodline to Joseph. So where are we at? We know that uh, we've decided that Jesus was human yes. with a full human body. Yes. We are taking the educated guess that 50% of his DNA came from Mary. Yeah. Uh, at minimum. We, we, we haven't, have we discussed the idea that it was entirely like all God's DNA that was put in like that Mary, Mary's DNA wasn't involved. We haven't discussed that, but God does not have DNA. I mean, until he was conceived inside of Mary, God was God didn't have a body. God wasn't human. So yeah, but it, but say if you've got the idea that Jesus is the second Adam, and then you have a first Adam, where who was created by God. There's there's DNA that God has created. At some point, God has created DNA. And so the God God's DNA is all all DNA is God's DNA, and He can easily create an, an extra fertilized egg and put it in Mary if He wants to. All DNA is God's DNA in the sense that God is the inventor of DNA, not in the sense that every living thing is genetically linked to God. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. God created all DNA, not. Yeah, not that everything is genetically linked to God or that God... Not that thing of like you're 97% the same as a chimpanzee and 80% the same as a banana and 100% the same as God. That's not the stat that you're... No, I'm definitely not saying that we are all all divine. Okay, so, but you're saying... What are you saying? That maybe Mary's DNA didn't factor into it either and that this is just like an entirely new set of chromosomes set of DNA, set of whatever. Uh, yes, although what what I'm doing now is I'm I'm looking I'm looking at, you know, when it is that Mary finds out and doesn't she get told that she's going to conceive? Yeah, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you were to give him the name yes. Jesus because he will save the people. From, oh no, that's what Joseph gets told. But yes, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Yeah, so so that that does seem to me like like Mary is involved. And I, and I think in terms of mm. Jesus' humanity, it would make sense that he is at very least got 50% Mary 
DNA. Yeah. I, th- I think what's interesting about this discussion while, while you are looking at your Bible is that w- like we're having this discussion from the viewpoint of people who understand 20- 21st century biology or at least are trying to understand 21st century biology. We live in a world where some people understand it very well. <laughs> yes. And, and we are, are riding on their coattails and probably doing a poor job of it. But what we know is different to what, what the writers of the Bible thought as they wrote it. They did know where babies typically came from, though, right? Like, they, they, like when Mary was like, oh, yeah, an angel said the baby's from God. They, like, I assume Joseph wasn't like, oh, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know where they usually no, come they, from, so I guess. We know where they come from. And, and Mary asked the question. She's like, how how can this be? Because I am mm. a virgin. What did she say? How can this be? Because I am. Look, why did I just read you <laughs> the actual biblical passage? This whole discussion um, should be centered around. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Great. Thank you for grounding us in the Bible. So so Mary Mary had definitely had an understanding of, of how babies are made. I've, I found an article from the uh, Biblical Archaeology Review, which is called How Babies Were Made in Jesus' Time, which I thought would be interesting, assuming that that things happened differently in Jesus' time, but it turns out they happened exactly the same way, uh, except that they had this understanding that the the woman produced the physical the physicalness of the the human that was being made, and the man... Uh, in his semen would he would bring about the life force or the lifeblood of the child. So in the understanding of the people who were reading the Bible back in Jesus' day, they would have understood it as that Mary made the physical the physical person of Jesus and the and God provided the life and so he because he did the work of the man. Which, which isn't necessarily, that's not how we understand it, but I think it's interesting to keep in mind as you read the, the Bible and what they talk about, that it would, it would make sense that you have a fully human baby or a fully human Jesus uh, who can come entirely from his mother and the life comes from God himself in the same way that the life would come from the man uh, in, in any normal conception. It's interesting that in that view, like every conception is in a sense a reenactment of what you see in Genesis 2 
of God breathing life into the person and they become a living being. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is interesting. I think in a sense, and I, I guess maybe even like this was the direction I was heading in already was like, it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> like this is in it's like, it's not that the, the question doesn't matter and not that it's not a good question, but like the, the thing that, that should amaze us isn't if we could find an answer to what Jesus's human DNA is but rather the fact that Jesus has human DNA at all, the fact that the God of the universe became a human being. I think that explanation of like the first century understanding of how the man and the woman contributed to the creation of a new life is so interesting because God takes on the man role in a completely, you know, like in a different way to usual, but like, yeah, it is a fully human being but also fully given life by God. Mm. I'm still kind of wrapping my mind around it. <laughs> Is it weird that the time travel question and the alternate universe question, I felt like we had more data? <laughs> yeah, well, I think because in, in this, like the Bible doesn't have that much to say about the mechanics of the conception. It just, it is. And and the Bible also doesn't have that much to say about how Jesus' humanity and his deity worked together. But both of them were. They Like they just, they are. And the Bible's not trying to solve that problem for us, which is why we can't exactly solve the problem of what Jesus' DNA was, let, let alone the fact that no one knew about DNA in the, time of the bible except i mean obviously god did but no one who was walking around when the bible was being written was like oh yeah dna so it's not a it's not a question that we can solve but it is yeah it is important to us in the the fully humanness of god sorry the fully humanness of jesus and the fully godness of jesus Mm. like both of those need to work together that is not half and half i would say he had 46 chromosomes Mm -hmm. because uh he was fully human he wasn't half Half a human, half God. Mm. And like you, you were saying to me earlier, he was not just, you know, a generic human, but he was a particular human in a particular time with a particular family, with a particular of a particular race. He was not just a, the ultimate man. He was a Jewish man born of Mary and her family. Mm. If I said, Tom, give me your best guess. If I pinned you down and made you give me an answer, what would be your guess? <laughs> My guess would be that Mary provided the egg, that God provided a sperm, uh, or at least he provided the the 20, 23 chromosomes, but that those 23 chromosomes were, were probably not like, you know, Scandinavian, but they they fit in with the culture that Jesus, Jesus was in, so he wasn't looking like some weird, out-of-place man walking around. Um, but that'll be that'll be my guess. Jesus' human body was a hundred percent created. Yeah, like all of Jesus' body was a created thing, and yet Jesus, as in God the Son, is not a created being. Nor I don't think is he a spirit possessing or living inside the vessel of a physical body. In Jesus, you have this person walking around who is fully God and fully human, which I guess gets us into the much deeper waters of like, what even is a human? Yes. Because we've been very reductionistic in the sense of like, because our question has been about DNA. And so we've been very reductionistic in 
our description of like what makes up a human. And I think the Bible is very clear that like your humanity is not just your physicality. Like your DNA determines your physical body and it, you know, it even determines, you know, the physicality of your brain and the way that you process thoughts and, and all kinds of things like that. And yet fundamentally your humanity is more than that. And so I don't know why my guess is that if you did a DNA test, Jesus's DNA would come back half Mary, half Joseph. I don't like, I have, I really have nothing to base that on except like, I don't know, like that sort of makes sense to me. But also like on a, like the, the bigger thing I come back to is like, kind of doesn't matter. Like he was a human being descended from <laughs> the family line of David in some sense. I don't really know how. Yeah, there are two two things there. I think I want, one thing I want to do, I want to go back to the thing about what the Bible says about your physicality and yourself. Like, I think what you're saying is entirely right. Mm. But I also think that what the Bible also said is that, is that you are never less than your physicality. Like, we have a thing at the moment where we are divorcing our physicality from our personhood. And... And like, just like if you, there's like so many TV shows and movies at the moment with this idea that you can upload yourself or you can store who you are on some kind of, you know, digital format and then you can put it back into a different body as if the self can be divorced from the physicalness. And in which case, then if that's, is the case, then Jesus can just be a God who is possessing a human body. But if we, if, our personhood is found in our body and who we are is bound up somehow in all that God has made us to be in our physical nature, mm. then you can't take the God out of the man of Jesus. They, they are one and the same thing. And somehow it works. I don't know how it is. And so we can, we can look at Jesus and say, well, here we have this picture of God embodying himself for us so that we might know him better and see him and see that he has participated in the life that we are participating in and continues to participate in like he's continuing to be a fully embodied human and fully embodied god forever doesn't that blow your mind it's it's amazing it's amazing like it is a big enough weird enough thing that god created humans became a human and then you know like if he just resurrected and went back to heaven and stopped being a human like that would be mind-blowing enough but the fact that he's like nah i am all in and so like forever and ever god the son is one of us yeah which means that this is a solvable problem of what would jesus's dna be when we get to the new creation we can go to jesus and say hey can we do a dna test on you and uh and see what happens and uh, and he might he might say yes, or I mean he might he probably would just be like, look, we don't have to do the test. I can just tell you, but we can solve this problem. Mm. But because we have an embodied Jesus still, but we won't be able to solve it for a little while. I also don't think we'll care. Oh, come on! I mean, this is for- you. You always <laughs> think we won't care. We've got an eternity. We've got a lot of time to to think of the most obscure things. If that situation happens, it's probably like it's like ten million years in. And you and I are just like hanging out, hopefully not still doing this podcast. I think we'll be, you know, we will have moved on to other things. But like, I can imagine just being like, hey, remember that one? Let's go ask. <laughs> yeah. 
and then we go ask. But I, I just think it'll be so far down the, the priority list. I guess what I come back to with all of this is like, it's an interesting question. It's like, and I'm still curious about it. And if, you know, we get to the new creation and we ask Jesus and he tells us, I'm sure I'll be like, oh yeah, cool. But like, I don't think that's going to change your life. What is though, is like, whatever you're going through, Jesus gets it from the inside out. He's one of us as well. In all of the ups and downs and, and, and joys and devastations of a regular human life. We don't have a God who has stood apart from that and who has, who understands it objectively because he knows everything. But we also, we have a God who subjectively understands it because whatever his DNA was, he was fully one of us and still is fully one of us. That's wild. And even to the point where he understands death and he, like he willingly went through an mm. actual human death on, on our behalf and understands the wrath of God in a way that we never will understand it if we trust in him. And he does it for us so that, it's, so that his death was an entirely real human death. And so we, so it's not just he looks like he was dying for us, but he actually was and he did it on our behalf. So that we don't have to. So he went through everything that we go through and he went through more than what we will go through for us. That's amazing. Mm. Mm. So when we write this chapter of the book, yeah, I reckon Wyatt will probably get a fair bit less airtime than he did in the podcast. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's an interesting thing to, you know, it's an interesting kind of like lead in to, to the chapter, but I think... Like the best we'll be able to do is go, look, here are a bunch of possible theories. But I think the thing that I'd want to spend the most time on is like, Jesus became a human. How good. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. And also to talk about like, like what it means to be human, mm. what it means to be, you know, that our humanness is so much more than our DNA. It is not less than our DNA. It is not less than our physicality, but it is also more than that. And the idea of us being... Like, I feel like we only scratch the surface of that whole thing of like, we are integrated beings. Just like Jesus wasn't a body with God inside it and then God could separate out and be God and the body would just be the body. We are not like ghosts inhabiting bodies that will one day be separated. Like that full integration is what makes us human. Mm. And that's what we're going to be able to experience forever because Jesus became human. Yeah. I'm I'm happy for all of that to go in the chapter. Also think maybe we could we could talk to someone who knows about biology as well. Let's put that in the chapter too. That would be good. The I think my preliminary question that I want to ask Jesus before I ask, you know, what his DNA was is like, can you just break down exactly how this DNA stuff works? Like how many chromosomes do you need? <laughs> could you live with before you tell me how many you've got, how many do you need? Cuz 24 seems like not enough. But I'm no scientist. Right. So I think I think we've we've uh, come to the end for, <laughs> we've, we've, for this week. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to wrap it up. Are you? Yeah. I'm very happy with that. All right. So we will we are going to be back uh, next next time, and we're going to be talking about the question was of uh, was Jesus a rubbish carpenter? But until then, if uh, people want to find out uh, more about you, Chris, where should they go? 
they can go to chrismorphew.com and there they can find um, a book uh, called Best News Ever and it's a 100-day guide to the Gospel of Mark and I think... I can guarantee you'll find it at least as edifying as our conversation today about how many chromosomes Jesus had. You can also find me on Instagram and I have Twitter, but as if you would. I looked at your Twitter yesterday and the last time you posted was October last year. So yeah, you're doing well. There's some like retweets of stuff from my school, but I just, I hate Twitter. It's such a, such an angry, angry place. (laughs) So find me on Instagram. Instagram, I post pictures of what I'm eating and stuff. It's great. Um, Anyway, Tom, how can people find out more about you and your wares? TomFrench.com.au. They can go there. There's my book. They can get a free copy of my book, Talks That Don't Suck, or they can get a paid copy of my book, Weird, Crude, Funny and New, The Bible Exposed, which does not once talk about Jesus' DNA, but does talk about... Uh, the time that Jesus died and the earth shook and zombies came out. So that's pretty exciting. Um, also, we have a website for our podcast, which is at questionsyourenotasking.com. Make sure you spell the correct your. It's like your in you are, not in... Unlike the one that you texted to me when you were showing me the website for the first time. <laughs> Y-O-U-R-E. Yeah. But no apostrophe because it's a website. Yeah. So you can go there. There's there's nothing much there. But you can go there and see that it's a website and it's yellow. Uh, I think that's all for us Mm. this week. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.